Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about belonging today, and then how do we um, build strategies in like everyday lesson plans, like what things can we take away to kind of embed within our lessons to get students up and moving, how can we increase student engagement, and um, kind of weave those in, and we're going to talk about like ones that have just a little bit of playing and ones that take maybe a little bit more intentional playing. So we'll kind of walk through that process together. Um, so if you didn't get a handout, there's some on the CEA kind of website. You can download those too. Uh, at the end of the presentation, there's going to be a QR code if you want to copy the slides because there's like 20 or so different like engagement strategies that you can try like next week. Um, and so if you just want the slides and everything, just scan that QR code. There's also one up here that we'll have available um, so you can just kind of like sit back, relax, take a few notes, things that maybe um, you're thinking about, maybe questions you have, um, and we'll kind of get started. Um, so like we kind of talked about earlier, my name is Tyler Harms. I'm a teacher consultant. So prior to that, I was a special ed teacher uh, for uh, 13 years, uh, half of that time in Colorado, half of that time in, in Michigan. And so our um, organization is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But we have a far-reaching impact. We're uh, partnering with over 100 schools in 12 different states and recently uh, started partnering with a school in the Dominican Republic, which is pretty cool. Uh, I don't get to go on that trip, unfortunately. I didn't make it the cut for that one. We're only sent a couple people. But how cool is it to be able to reach um, this many students? And the latest kind of research is there's about 15,000 um, Christian schools out there, Christian Catholic schools. And, you know, the, the sad reality is, from the research, is that only 70, or sorry, only 30% of those schools um, have, like, inclusive education. The rest... 70% of students like either, or schools either like turn students away because we don't have enough resources and things like that. So we really try and partner with schools and we talk about, you know, it doesn't really matter how many resources you have, like we can just make that first step towards inclusion. So what does that look like to just take a step in that direction? Because we want to change that. We don't want 70% of our, you know, Christ-centered schools to not be inclusive um, because that's just not how um, the body of Christ is. Um, so our three kind of fundamentals kind of things we like to hang our hat on is uh, we believe we're incomplete without everyone and so that's really knowing your students well and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit later with the puzzle piece perspective and so we'll kind of um, look into that um, and also the second one is we strive to know our students excellently so before you can have students engage you have to really know them really well you got to know how they tick right and so like you might have to really um, do a little investigation almost like a detective for each of your students to really know what's going to work best for them and uh, at All Belong, we commit to being collaborative, innovative builders of belonging. So in our organization, we try and uh, team up with your staff, we team up with administrators, and kind of work for, uh, alongside of you and with students and families for plans that are going to help uh, individual students. It's not like a canned program, hey, you do this, but it's really individualized to partner case-by-case uh, -case basis on what's going to work best for your students. So that's a little bit about us. Um, before we get started, kind of diving deep into all the strategies we're going to talk about, um, go ahead and take just a, a little piece of paper or something and write down um, what does student engagement mean to you? Take about a minute or so to do that. What does engagement mean to you?
as we're kind of wrapping up that thought, um, some of you may need to reach a little further, but talk to someone next to you on either side of you um, and kind of talk about what your definition or what you believe student engagement is. So go ahead and talk to your neighbor real quick. Introduce yourself if you don't know them. Ask where they're from, what grade level they teach. Um, <laughs> Students that struggles, 
if you think about each of these dimensions, which either you can download on the CA website, uh, this 10 dimensions of belong, or you have it with you, if you look through those definitions and you have a student behavior, I'm guessing, I'm willing to believe that one of these is lacking for that student. So you can really kind of dive deep um, with that. And so we kind of partnered with Eric Carr, he's now on our board, and so it's really nice to be able to uh, work with him a little closer uh, on these uh, dimensions of belonging. But it's even more interesting that, uh, you know, Gallup just did a recent study that students that feel a sense of belonging are 2.5 times more engaged in class. And so if we take the time to have make sure these needs are met here for belonging, uh, the students are just naturally going to be more engaged. And we haven't even like done any of these cool strategies that we're going to talk about. So just belonging itself, if you make that a priority with your students, you're automatically going to be like seeing more student engagement in production with your students. Uh, we also talk about belonging through the puzzle piece perspective, and so that's knowing your students really well. And so we talk about our strengths and our challenges, and kind of how that fits in almost like a puzzle piece, um, and we all kind of work together with that. So um, one of our former teacher consultants, she passed away a couple years ago, Barb Newman, and so you might know her. Um, she, before she passed away, she actually um, created this um, upcoming video really illustrating that puzzle piece perspective. And so we're going to look at that. Um, we're going to look at that now. Let's see if it'll work. Hope I don't blow anybody backwards. I would say when Psalm 139 says that God knit us together, I suspect God used green and pink yarn to do that knitting project. Green for those areas that are really easy for us. Those are our strengths, they are our gifts. And pink, well, what shall we say, for our hot spots, the things that are more difficult for us. And would you agree that everybody gathered here today could wear this like our name tag, with our name in the middle, and we could fill it in. Things that are easy, our strengths, pink's challenges. It's a complex knitting pattern that God uses for each one of us. We can be green and pink in so many different areas, but the truth is, that's all of us. And while I probably would have rather handed in my green and pink puzzle piece and exchanged it for a green one that's all together green, anybody here want to trade that in for something like that? You know what I would say? Beautifully hand-knit by God. Each one of us fearfully and wonderfully made. But I want to tell you some lessons that I learned from puzzle pieces. Because I think this is important. Have you ever noticed that many times a person with a disability is viewed as an all-pink person? Oh, it's Down syndrome, Jonathan, it's cerebral palsy, Sue, it's bipolar, Frank, it's dementia, Andrew. And it's like that defines the entire person. Do you know what? That is not a biblical viewpoint. Scripture is very clear that God has given everyone gifts to bring to the body, to build it up. Every part is important. So we know from the beginning that there are no all pink people. Unless you sit in a place where you feel some pressure to be an all green person, let me just tell you that's not biblical either. That is not how we are intended to live. And in fact, this is one of my favorite verses from 1 Corinthians 12. Puzzle pieces fit together. Places where I'm strong, I can come along with somebody else, and places where they're strong, they can come alongside of me. We fit together like a puzzle. 
in the body of Christ. Do we not? And what a beautiful verse that illustrates it in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has arranged or placed the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So not only did God take time to hand-knit each one of us here, but then God places us into communities so that we can use our gifts to grow that place. We might not have all the answers, but we want to have the same pose that Jesus Christ had for each one of us. You are welcome here. There's a place of belonging. video and just how it illustrates that we're all kind of where we're supposed to be with our gifts and our um, challenges that we have and it's just so refreshing just to kind of know that we just are in we're teaching in our schools where we're supposed to be the students even with the ones with the most behaviors that are like never absent they're like always in our classroom like never take a sick day right they're always here but they have strengths and challenges too Right? And so leaning into those strengths that they have, really celebrating those, and then having the tools, um, build, giving them tools to kind of support them in their challenge areas um, is, is helpful as well. So some of my challenges, if I was to kind of go off on my own puzzle piece, um, <clears throat> my handwriting is terrible. It's like, like a first or second grader. But um, so uh, I type a lot, right? That's a tool I have to kind of get around that. Um, so another one is like my short-term memory, like active work, not that super great. I lose my stuff all the time um, in high school and things. I lose my keys, like separate from my wallet, and like everything would be all over the place. So now a tool that I've learned to kind of deal with that is when I come into the house, I hang up my keys in a certain <coughs> spot. I put my wallet and my phone in a certain spot. Does anybody do that? Kind of similar to, yeah, so those are tools to kind of help me with my challenge that I have. Some strengths that I have, I have a lot of challenges, so I won't take all the time to deal with those. But a couple of my strengths, uh, gross motor skills, like sports. I was very active growing up. Um, fine motor skills are good, but within that category is also graphomotor. That's the handwriting. So even like in a big like um, neural um, motor kind of category, within graphomotor, I can have a challenge. So you can have a challenge kind of within some of those bigger categories. Um, let's see, also I like to work with my hands, kind of like hands-on learner. You might have some students like that too. Uh, they like to build things, kind of like be outside. Um, so that is some of my strengths or challenges. So what I'd like to do, if you have a handout, you have a little puzzle piece with you. If you don't, you can just write it on a piece of paper. But I want you to, and we'll come back to this slide here in a second. Um, you're going to talk about your life in green and pink. Um, so just write down a couple, maybe two or three of your strengths and two and three maybe challenges that you have. maybe a little bit more comfortable with the person that you shared with earlier, go back to that same person, because you built a little bit of a relationship, maybe just this much. Now you can share a little bit of your 
uh, strengths and then we have challenges. So you can decide who goes first, um, but go ahead and share, maybe that same person because you have a little bit of rapport now. Um, challenges <laughs> or, and strengths, go ahead. Excellently. That's that puzzle piece perspective. And then um, we're going to dive into a little bit about 
um, giving relevant uh, content. And then we're going to break our kind of like um, tips and tricks here into like active learning, like movement, like ways to get your students kind of moving in the classroom while also getting feedback from them on content. Uh, also like student collaboration, having students working together in uh, different ways, and also just overall increasing opportunities to respond, so getting really every student to talk every class period every day. So how can we make that happen? And then we're going to talk a little about how that works with your planning of your lessons. So let's get to it. So first part is accessing background knowledge. So if students don't like have any reference point to what you're teaching, it's going to be really hard for them to kind of like get engaged, right, and be active learning. Um, so really study shows that like images, we process images much faster than we process words. And so if I was maybe writing, having students like, what do you think about electric versus gas-powered cars? Maybe a picture like this might help students, say, maybe they've never seen an electric car before and they don't really know what that looks like, how that works. And so even just a simple image like that can maybe access a little bit of background knowledge. Uh, just a little bit of planning on that end of it might create more engagement for students. So using images, organizers, cues, questions, that sort of thing, to really prime the pump in a way uh, to help students. Uh, I really like this one. Uh, again, if you want to down, you know, get the slides later, there's that QR code. But I really like this one. Um, when I was in the classroom, it's like power previewing. Uh, you prowl for clues, what features stand out. Like if I was reading an article, this is a great one to use. Uh, pencil in the key information, maybe like writing in the text. Uh, pry open your memory. What looks familiar to you? How can you like relate this to your own life? Um, what seems interesting, personalize it, right? Make it your own, owning the, what you're learning. And then predict, what do you think you're going to learn? So all those things are going to be um, great ways before you access the actual content. You know, just kind of that previewing piece. Uh, so it's very, it's teacher guided, more of like a facilitator. You're asking open-ended questions. They're not yes or no questions, right? So you're having students think a little bit deeper. Um, Relating to the ability and interest. So once you've done like the puzzle piece perspective or you've done some other activities where you get to know your students really well, you can start to interweave that into your lessons. And that automatically is going to get your students more engaged. If you're doing a writing piece on your favorite video game, you're going to have a lot more kids kind of perked up that are maybe don't always perk up because you've related to their content. Right? So giving students options, choice, uh, is a huge way to... Um, uh, give student engagement. And then also multiple access points. So could students um, do an oral um, response versus a written response? So if they know they have to write a three-paragraph essay, but they can tell it to you first, <clears throat> that might give them a lot more um, comfort and um, confidence just kind of moving forward. Because they just, they're processing. Maybe they need to talk about it first before they write it. So this is another little activity we're going to do. If you don't have this, you might, if it's in your handout, but this is a pyramid, uh, kind of shows retention rates of students. And you can just do this on a piece of paper too. Um, and so we have the teaching approaches on the left. We've got audio-visual, discussion-based, demonstration, like I do it, you watch. Uh, lecture, that's kind of what we're doing right now. I'm talking to you. It's kind of like open up. Here comes the information. Uh, practice by doing, more of that hands-on piece. Uh, reading it to you, and then teaching others. So based on this, where do you think the retention rates would be? So go ahead and take a minute or so and kind of write that in. Okay? Where do you think it would go? Try and write it down. Be accountable here. Write pen to paper. Let's see where you're at. And then we'll the quiz, you know, we'll show you the scores here in a minute. 
Uh, everyone was kind of like tired and gassed, right? Hopefully you guys have had some coffee, but this is like the last session before like, you leave, right? So some of you might be thinking like, okay, the trip home, all those things. And so a little bit of movement helps to kind of stir things up a little bit in your brain. Um, and so we're going to try some of those. So the first one is called lineups. So this is one maybe you could try on Monday. So you have a class and you split half of them. Maybe if we had it up here, you just want like half of them up here, the other half over there, and they face each other. They have a partner, and they face each other. You give them a prompt, some sort of a question, and uh, they have a little time to think, and then they kind of talk to the person across from them. Uh, I could see this maybe in like a reading, uh, or even like, what's the first step in like solving this math equation? You know, um, first you got to get, you got to subtract on both sides. Okay, so they've answered that, and the person agrees or disagrees, and maybe talks. Now, this side, we'll call this side A. Side A moves down three people. One, two, three. And then they talk to the next person, right? So lots of opportunities to respond. It's quick. You're moving a little bit. You're getting feedback because the teacher's really close by. You can hear what all the students are saying. And so if students are off desk, you say, hey, we're really talking about this right now. We're not like talking about what we're doing at recess. But you can also see, like, do students get what you're teaching them? So that, that little bit of a movement can, and, like, that uh, feedback can help steer the next like five minutes of your lesson. You might have to abort what you were doing because you just got some feedback that maybe half your class doesn't know the first step to solve the equation. So super quick, uh, great feedback, and it gives students uh, a little bit of a break. Uh, this one's another fun one, kind of, it's called inside-outside circle. So similar, you have a partner, um, half of you are inside, half of you are outside. You have a discussion prompt. It could be the same one that I just mentioned. Or like, um, what do you think the theme is of this um, chapter that we're reading or this book that we just read together? And then they talk a little bit. And then I, it depends on what circle you want to move, but I usually have the outside circle move. Maybe it depends. All right, outside circle, you move three people, four people to your right. Or if you're teaching kids about time, go counterclockwise or clockwise, right? So you can infuse lots of different things with that. But that's a great one to get students up and moving. Students can just move their chairs uh, and then just bring it back. Super quick, a lot of fun. That's a good one to use as well. Um, so we kind of treated this little trip like a little vacation. I brought my family with me, so it was a little fun. At the hotel, did some things. We went to um, Notre Dame. We kind of just toured around a little bit. Saw some different things. Went to the South Bend Chocolate Factory. That was really good. If you haven't done it, on your way out. It's at the top of the hour. They give you chocolate, like Willy Wonka style on the way out. Uh, that was good. Um, but it wasn't my wife's ideal vacation because she likes to be warm, right? And it wasn't warm yesterday. It was like super cold. And, uh, or maybe, no, yeah, yesterday, yeah, it's cold. So, you know, she likes to be on the beach and reading a book and just relaxing. She likes outdoor stuff too, but she'd prefer to be on the beach. Uh, me, I like to be on the beach too uh, and hang out, but I'm more like active. When I have, my ideal vacation would be like a cabin in the woods or something like that. Um, maybe being by a stream where I could fish, hike a little bit. And so that would be like my ideal vacation. And so I want you to think about your ideal vacation where you would be a beach goer or a nature lover mountains. And um, so as you're thinking about that, we're going to do a little moving. We're going to have the, we'll have the, let's see, we'll have the beach people come up here in this area. And the nature cabin in the woods people over by the door. We'll move on three. One, two, three. And there's no middle ground. I know you can like, you can't do that. You gotta pick. 
I know a lot of us are in the middle, but try and pick one. Ideal. This is my beach, right? Alright, talk to someone maybe you haven't talked to yet about why you picked what you picked. Go ahead. Same thing. Why you picked what you with um, movement groups, with 
uh, suit collaboration. So these next ones are going to be really good just to kind of, and you can help model, all right, here's what a group looks like, and here, here's how we act in a group, things like that. Uh, it does break up a lesson, primarily, too, if you're doing, like, a lot of lectures. So these movement breaks are great, too, to kind of break it up, but these are good to get students to talk together. And they're really nice, quick, formative assessments. Like I said, you might have to bail on the second half of your lesson because you just realize your students don't get it. So why move forward and call forward with your lesson if the students aren't going to be getting it? So use this as a, a formative assessment. Um, so the, this one I really like. Um, it's called Three Threes in a Row. Uh, and what you do, you can do, like, you don't have to do nine boxes. I've done four before. Um, two's a little small, so I like to do nine or uh, you can do six or nine. Yeah. So what you do is you have a kind of a prompt in each box. Um, this one is just kind of like more like social emotional um, or like expectations. Um, what would you do if you heard someone was talking about you? So more like a social emotional kind of questions here. But you can frame it any way you want. You can relate it to your content. But how you do this one is students need to go like talk to somebody else, and then they get their uh, partner's like response. They have to process it and write their response down in the box. So they don't write their own response in the box. They have to like be active listeners. So what does active listening look like? You can model that. And then they have to summarize in a sentence <coughs> or so. And then if that looks right, the partner would then initial it. Like, yeah, no, you were way off, man. Like, I didn't talk about that at all. Like, it helps check and balance, right? A little bit more accountability. So this is a really good one. And then you switch partners. You go to, you can go to nine different people, right? So works on that communication skills, meeting new folks, working on one-on-one -on -one, um, kind of communication. So this is a really good one. Um, I really like to do that one, too. Uh, another one that I like is called Numbers Heads Together. And this one I kind of did when I was teaching, but I didn't do it, like, super great. Uh, I would number my students off, like, all right, you've, you're number one, two, three, four, in a group, okay? One, stand up, because all the little kids, like, forget what number they are. What number am I again? And so you do that, okay? And then, but what I used to do is say, okay, the twos are going to be the reporter, right? The twos are going to, like, report back. But what I found was that everyone else kind of checks out. So in this numbered heads together, all group members need to be ready to present. So you don't say which number is going to present until the very end. You say at the end, okay, so make sure you know the summary because, you know, I could call, I'm going to pick a number out of a jar or whatever. Uh, and then threes, you're presenting, or you're going to report out for your group. Okay, so every student is accountable for the whole group because, you know, if you're like me, back then I probably would have checked out too a little bit. If I knew I wasn't, like, responsible for the group's, like, decision, I would have checked out a little bit. So it holds everyone a little bit more accountable, students a little bit more engaged that way, a little bit more collaborative instead of one person doing everything. Uh, this one's fun too. You can co um, coordinate this one with some other ones that we've been talking about. This is called a chalkboard splash. Uh, so you create some sort of a prompt, a sentence starter, and then um, you have the students go up to the board and they write the responses. So you have this whiteboard full of responses to your prompt, and then students have a little handout that says, um, similarities, differences, and surprises. And then students would kind of come up to the board, or you could have multiple boards, and they would write down maybe like similarities to their thought, their opinion, maybe differences of opinion, and then what surprised you. Okay, the students don't have to put their name next to their, on the board, they could if, but they don't have to. And then you would do like a little bit of a gallery walk, and then students could get together in small groups, you could share as a whole group, 
Um, so really, a lot more interpersonal connection there if you do it in small groups. Um, but then you can see everybody's responses. So again, it's that feedback. You're looking up here, you're like, oh man, I'm off. <laughs> I gotta reteach this tomorrow. I gotta go back because my responses are not what I thought. But it's super quick. Everyone bring your, your marker up right on the board and then that's a little easier. It's, it's nicer than like the, everyone wrote, write on a whiteboard and show it to me because it goes away. This one stays up and you can kind of like take a picture of it if you want and then like analyze it later. And it's super quick feedback. Um, so I like that one as well. So, um, so we kind of talked about movement, kind of like some ways to get some students moving in the classroom while also generating feedback for you as a teacher. We talked about student collaboration, kind of like how to get students kind of working together. Uh, and now we're gonna talk about, you know, all of these have had increasing opportunities to respond, but how to be intentional with that. So we really, our goal, even if we teach middle and high school, okay, is to have all voices heard in every class, every day, okay? If students haven't been talking in your class, um, you know, that's a missed opportunity to get feedback for you and opportunities for feedback for, for the students. So um, students that are able to have more opportunities to respond who feel that belonging are more likely to take risks in your class and be engaged uh, because it's a safe environment to do so. So building that um, um, safe environment of belonging is really gonna be your bedrock for any of these activities. Uh, again, start slow and just build into some of these as you feel comfortable. Um, so we, this is one we did right away. We did the quick write. Uh, it wasn't this prompt, but we did one, right? What was, what does student engagement mean to you? So right away I had you come in and you were starting on something, right? So uh, I selected a prompt, I gave you a little time to think, and then you shared out with an elbow partner. And then I used that same elbow partner later to have you do your puzzle piece. So you made a little bit of a connection with someone, and then you felt a little bit more comfortable, hopefully, sharing your strengths and challenges. So that was it more intentional on my part, how I kind of organized that. Uh, here's one that you could try next week, uh, just kind of like for fun quick, right? If you could trade places with anyone for a day, who would you pick and why? So that's very low, non-academic, kind of like opinion, no one's wrong sort of a thing. Uh, and you could turn that into a chalkboard splash if you wanted to. Uh, you could have all the students write up on the board, you know, just to try out some of these. You could do it like super low-key, non-academic related, just to kind of get students to, used to that before you make it content related. So I like the quick write. Uh, these ones take a little bit more planning, like out in the continuum of plan little planning to lots of planning. This one's kind of more on the other side. Uh, so you got to make these cards. Uh, they're kind of hold-up cards, kind of like you might do with like a whiteboard. Um, but these would be like, you'd like to talk about a prompt or, um, and, but the students would hold up like it's true or it's not true. Uh, it could be true with modifications, like there's some uh, other things that need to happen to make this true uh, or we can't determine based on the information we have. And so I would recommend laminating those cards because they would get like kind of trashed <laughs> over the year. But um, these are kind of nice, especially if you have students that are quite shy or not really ready to kind of like engage as much, like this is a low, stress kind of thing, right? Because you're seeing your card and just you and the teacher can't see it. So that's a good one. Another one that uh, is a little bit more in that continuum of a little bit more planning is um, numbered cards. And so this would be great in math, right? You could also in, use this in other ways too, but you have all these little cards and then students could like make an equation with this. Um, greater than, less than, I could see that being used here. Um, you know, if it was me personally, I might use like a whiteboard kind of hold up at that point if you're using lots of numbers. 
because um, having students trying to hold up all those little individual cards might be a little tough. But if you're only if you had like four, let's say if you had like four answer choices, like multiple choice, do you think it's answer one, two, three, or four? Students could hold up one or things like that. So there's ways you could use it, but it does take a little bit more planning on when you might infuse it in your lesson. Uh, quick draw. I really like this one because there's a lot of students in your classes that. Um, they're there because they love to draw and they love art class, right? They may not be there for the academics most of the time, but they're like awesome in art. But if you have this, like they can kind of write the notes, but then like the images, right? We can uh, process images and we take more from that than we do words. So they might think of um, the content that you're discussing and then they might draw a picture of it first and then from there they can write it out. And so that's a really good one that I've used quite a bit. Um, reflect. Uh, so coupling an image with the kind of written uh, explanation, boy, that retention rate is like super strong there. So that's a really good one to use. Uh, ranking, we did that with the pyramid. You guys already have done that. And so um, you select a concept, something that can be ranked, uh, and then you do it to criteria, the percentage of retention rates. And then you, pro you could provide justification because some of those probably could flip based on your opinion. Uh, and then, like, students might need they could change their mind, allow for that, right? Because some of those are subjective on those rankings. So allowing students to change their mind um, is good, too. So ranking is a good one. Uh, three, two, one reflection is one, like, if you're ending the lesson or a concept, and you want students to kind of think back on what was going well or what happened in the activity. So three things I learned, two interesting facts, and one question that I still have. Okay, so it really has students diving a little bit deeper into that, and you could transfer that into a small group thing and have your whole group come up with a three, two, one. So you could really morph this into lots of different uh, activities that you have there. So that's the three, two, one reflection. Picture notes are also really good. So try this sometime uh, for students without writing any words, just have like the lecture or whatever, and just have kids draw pictures and like make maybe do some captions. And I bet they're going to have a lot more meaning when they are sketching and doodling. How many of you doodle a little bit while people are talking or you have like, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. So you may do it right now, yeah. So um, that helps, right? It just helps engage the brain and just in a different way. And so having students draw pictures to illustrate their concepts, and then they can explain their picture to you later. That could be a formative assessment. You know, on your way out the door, on your way out to recess, show me your uh, pictures that you drew about this concept, and just tell me a little bit about it before you head out. Right? Or I'm going to meet with group one, and as they're doing this, you're going to tell me about your pictures and what, what that means to our lesson. So they really have to synthesize the information, make it into an image, and then describe it. So we're working about all these interpersonal skills, um, yeah, really great to relate to content. I really like this one. It's hard, it's a big <coughs> mindset shift for teachers. It's like, you need to write down everything I'm writing, but if students are just doing the pictures, you might find there's different connections that are made. So, worth giving a try. Uh, this one's also nice, kind of like a summary, a three-sentence wrap-up. So, some of you have students that would write for days, right? <coughs> Two pages, like they're just ad nauseum, right? Forever. So, these students struggle with this one being concise. Other students that, like barely write, they're like, yes, only three sentences. So this is awesome. So the end of a concept, it could be like in the middle of a lesson. It could be like, all right, we're going to pause here, um, and we're going to do just a three-sentence summary, a three-sentence wrap-up of what happened so far. 
And so in only three sentences or less, uh, students kind of talk about what happened, and then they can share in a group. And what I like about this, too, is if you, when you get your group, then the group has to kind of have a three-sentence summary. So they kind of combine their ideas, and they have to make a three-sentence summary and then share out, too. So lots of different ways um, to get the content and kind of synthesize it, share it out, and then be able to report it out. This one's kind of fun. If you have more than 26 students, it's a little hard. Uh, because that's A to Z, so you assign every student in your class a letter. And then as their summary for the lesson or the concept, whenever you want to do that, uh, the student has to start their sentence, their summary, with the letter that you've given them. So it's a little hard. It's kind of funny. You mix it up a little bit. You can do it like by stick. Z is tough, right? So you might want to give them like a pass or give them like a, bone, like a letter of their mystery letter, whatever they want to do with their choice. So you'll figure out whatever those letters are that are more challenging and just kind of substitute those out. But this is a fun one. Kids like to do this one. Um, and they don't know they're like, having a formative assessment on that. So. And then they can share it out, too. You just go around. Uh, it could be a good exit ticket as well. This is one that a lot of teachers have really liked to use. Um, I like to use it when I have the students that are reading an article. Um, if I print it out for them, they can like highlight or mark the text. Uh, if they're reading it online, they could just have like a notepad or something next to them. But what I have them do is like through the lesson, I might stop them halfway through. I said, "All right, so or when you're done with the article, I want you to pause. I want you to star everything that you think is important in this article." So I used to have students, that, you know, you say, all right, highlight anything that's important. So students like almost like a spray can, like, <laughs> yeah, this is all important. Like, yeah, no, not really. So you get those. So you have to kind of model that a little bit. Maybe you have to like teach this the first couple times. But students get it after a while. They determine what's important. And that's a great skill to kind of like learn as they move on, you know, post high school. You know, what are they going to need? What, what are they really going to need to know? And so you, so you pause, you kind of start what's important. And then based on those what you think is important, rank the top three. What are the top three most important things? And then you could, from there, you could um, do a three-sentence summary. You could do um, you know, a little bit of a group share-out. Uh, you could kind of merge this into some of these other ones. You could do an inside-outside circle based on what you wrote down, give me one of your things, and then move to other people. So a lot of these that you're going to see kind of interweave through each other. So you can have students moving. Uh, increasing those opportunities to respond. Uh, we just want every student in every class to talk every day, right? Because everyone has something worthwhile to say. So that's um, the premise behind all these awesome activities. Um, so when we think about where our lessons are, so the top right quadrant there is, um, you know, high cognition, high participation. That's where we, like, ideally would strive to be, right? All of our lessons are like awesomely planned, and like there's so many little, like uh, little um, engagement strategies in each one. Ideally, that's like pie in the sky. We're not always there, right? Sometimes we float between all of these. This isn't a fixed point, but it's nice to know students get the most retention out of number four. Okay, we really don't want to be in that like number one range, right? <coughs> low cognition, low participation. So you know, for me, this would have been really helpful too along with that pyramid, knowing kind of like where I should be most of the time. And so threes and fours, 
Um, you know, and you might just have to lecture sometimes, right? You just got to get the information out. And so that's okay, right? Um, so just making sure that's not the, the norm. Like every time you teach, this is the, the standard way because we know that retention rate is less than 10%. And so having that information now, you can kind of go out and kind of think, organizing your week and maybe your lessons, and how can I infuse some of these opportunities to respond for my students? Um, and so as we're framing <coughs> questions for students, making sure they're open-ended. So yes, no questions um, are good sometimes, but they don't foster much discussion. And so as you're thinking about questions, as you're um, thinking about your lesson planning, um, try and have uh, open-ended questions for students to respond to. Um, Make sure you give wait time. We always want to call on the student that raised their hand first because, well, we've got so much content we got to get through. We just, yep, let's do it and go. But what if, you know, students can first talk, have time to wait and think and then talk with a small group and then respond. Every student has been talked in that class. If you only did that, right, you've had every student talk in your class every day, right? And so much more powerful than having just one student because, oh, Johnny's raising his hand again. He, he knows the answer, so why should I raise my hand? Okay? Every student has a, something um, worth telling, right? Uh, so as you start these, like I said, there's like 20 different things that you could try, like even next week. So it's just start small. It's like overwhelming. To, like if you did them all in like one day, your kids would like freak out and they would just like not want to come back. So like try, try like one thing next week. Pick one that you think you could do. Be intentional about it. Think about where it would make sense in your lesson to infuse it, right? We don't want to just put something in just to put it in. Make, it, make sure it makes sense within your lesson. And then uh, make sure having those routines uh, in place for classroom discussion, like modeling that, okay? What does it look like to work in groups? Set the stage first before you just let them loose, right? Because that doesn't help, help out very much, right? Oops. Um, so just kind of wrapping up a little bit here. Engagement, 2.5 times more likely when students belong, right? So think about teachers, think about, okay, so we've got all this stuff on our plate. We've got all these meetings to do. We've got all these papers to grade. So many things are stacking up on our plate, but really belonging, that is your plate, right? That's, that's the most important thing. If you don't have this relationship, if you're not investing in your students, you're going to be working your tail off much more than you would have if you just, um, you know, investing in those students and building those relationships. So belonging is the plate that everything is getting stacked on, okay? So making sure that we build that um, community of belonging. Uh, so we do have a, you know, I can't let you leave without a three, two, one, like, reflection, right? So um, so if you don't have the handout, it's okay, just write it on a piece of paper. Three things that you learned, two interesting facts, and one question that you might still have. Go ahead. Try that then. Okay? So, um, 
if you're interested, so the book that I have here is just a, a daily devotional for new teachers. They're like their first or third year. And so it goes through every day of the school year, and there's little uh, prayers and reflections. Um, so this is something I wish I would have had when I graduated, which is the premise of the book, because like it kind of talks about what's coming up in the school year and like what to prepare for as new grads. We just like kind of trial by fire, right? You just kind of go into it and hoping for the best. So this is a really great resource. If you're interested in that, you can scan that code there. Um, the Total Participation Techniques, uh, that's the book if you want to look that up. Um, I do have a couple prizes. So if you reach under your chair, you might find an all-belong sticky note. And if you did, you're the winner of the, one of these in a fidget. Oh, we got a winner right here. So, before you go, if you want, if you want the slides, like, because there's, like, a ton of information here, um, there are QR codes on the way out, there's QR codes here, and there's also one right here. Um, just say that you want more information, and then we'll send the slides to you. I'll try and pare it down a little bit to some of those. I'll try and keep it to, like, the ones you want, right? So, um, that'll help me to help you. Make sure, um, if you want to, like, think about partnering with All Belong, make sure you check that box, and we can reach out to you as well. Thanks so much for coming. Have a great rest of your day.